You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severely, remember that means each of them differently, severely as he will. So here in this text, we've been talking about spiritual gifts, and we've been talking about what that means and how to use them and all those things. And now tonight, we're actually going to talk about what the spiritual gifts are. Uh, we're actually going to dive in. Now, we are not going to do a deep dive into the spiritual gifts things because uh, this, is a, this is a deep topic, uh, the topic of spiritual gifts. But I'm going to do my best to do justice as a summary of what the spiritual gifts are. So here in chapter 12, um, we have these spiritual gifts, and I'm going to go ahead and name these off. And actually, this isn't a complete list of spiritual gifts. I was actually surprised to find out there was a lot more spiritual gifts than I had thought. So this was pretty cool, being able to study through this and see all the spiritual gifts that the Bible specifically names that there are. And they're not all one list. There is, there is no complete list, so we're going to jump around a couple passages to put together this whole list of spiritual gifts. But here in chapter 12, it talks about the gift of administration. Uh, it talks about the gift of discernment. Um, I know a lot of people that seem to have the gift of undiscernment. <laughs> it's like, man, that was so stupid. Like, what was that? Um, a lot of teenagers will hopefully grow into the gift of discernment. The gift of faith, it talks about the gift of healings, the gift of helps, um, the gift of knowledge, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the and the gift of wisdom. So here in this chapter alone, 12 different spiritual gifts are talked about. Um, take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, real quickly. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, we got um, another list of spiritual gifts given here. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the Bible says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every one that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, than, um, than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according to God, hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I find it interesting that he talks about not being proud and having humility in this passage as he gets ready to talk about spiritual gifts, as he alluded to in the last time. Now he's going to actually use the same illustration about the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office... I mean, it sounds a lot like the passage over in 1 Corinthians. For as we have many members in one body and all the members having not the same office, verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ. We're going to be talking more about the, just specifically the body of Christ and what all that means next week. Um, verse, five, uh, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, where, uh, whether prophecy... 
let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let, it, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. And he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. All right, so here we have a list of spiritual gifts. We have exhortation, we have giving, we have the gift of ministry, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching, and leadership. All right, so we have a list of spiritual gifts right here. Uh, let's see here. Turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is the last list of spiritual gifts that is given. As far as from my understanding, if there's more, please let me know. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 through 12 says... And he gave some apostles, all right? We believe that there was just the apostles that are part of the New Testament. We do not uh, believe that, that the apostleship continues. And some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So here we see spiritual gifts of apostle, evangelist, pastor, prophecy, and teaching. Now some of these are repeated, obviously, as you can tell. Now, there's also other gifts that are talked about throughout the Scripture. And so here's a list of random gifts that are mentioned throughout the Scripture. It talks about the gift of celibacy. I remember being a, a young teenager and hearing about that gift and just praying, God, I don't want that gift. Please don't give it to me. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of teenagers think that when they hear about that. But that is, the Bible says that is a gift that is given to some people, the gift of celibacy. And obviously, you know, once you get married, and especially after you have kids, you think, wow, like how much more I could do if I didn't have a family. Not that you wouldn't want them, but you know what I mean. It takes a significant part of your life, that family, okay? And think about how much time a young person, you know, it's so funny. Somebody was just telling me recently, they go, I think it was in our men's discipleship. We have a men's discipleship group that meets on uh, Tuesday mornings at around 645. And I actually think it was Phil and he was chuckling because some of the young men were telling him how busy they were. And he was just laughing because he's like, man, just wait till you have a family and kids and job and man, life, life. It's busy. I only have five hours a day to play Xbox. <laughs> life, life, life is rough. But celibacy, the gift of hospitality, the gift of martyrdom, we would not think of that as a gift, but the Bible does communicate that. The gift of being a missionary and the gift of voluntary poverty. So there's roughly around 24 specifically named spiritual gifts that are given here in the Bible. So I'll be honest with you, I was actually a little surprised when I was studying this out to realize there was such a variety and so many spiritual gifts given here in the passage. Now, this passage talks about two different kinds of spiritual gifts, okay? So we're going to walk through this. I'll be the first one to admit, I, don't, I am not an expert in this arena, but I'm going to share with you uh, my understanding from the scriptures, and uh, I, I think you'll see where we're going here. But there's two types of spiritual gifts mentioned here. And actually, Pastor Hester kind of mentioned this uh, last week, but we have permanent gifts and temporary gifts specifically mentioned here in this passage. Permanent gifts and temporary gifts. All right, so the temporary gifts are also known as sign gifts. All right, temporary gifts, sign gifts. And these were limited, we believe these are limited to the apostolic age, the time of the New Testament, and that they ceased after that time. These gifts would include the working of miracles, 
healing, the gift of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Okay, so, so, so we kind of hold to the fact that those were temporary gifts, and I'll explain what those were and what they are, and then permanent gifts. That's, those are the ones that continued on. Now, the purpose of the temporary gifts were, were very important. They're very important in that day and age, and, and this is why they were important. Because the Old Testament had already been written. It was done. Everybody agrees on the Old Testament. By the way, interesting fact that I figured out going through this, um, no matter what, uh, uh, you, you know, there's, if you get into like translations and all these different things and you start understanding about the text and how the scriptures were taken from the text, I found it very interesting that there's, everybody agrees on the set of Old Testament manuscripts. I actually never knew that. So I know that's getting a little um, deep if you don't understand what that means, but a lot of people disagree on the New Testament manuscripts, but everybody agrees on what the Old Testament manuscripts were. And that has to do with how they were recorded and, and uh, how they were meticulously written down. We're not getting dive all into that. So that was the Old Testament. Now the New Testament was being written at this time. Now here's the thing. During the time that the New Testament was being written, if somebody, one of the apostles, say, I am speaking on behalf of God, how do you know that person's speaking on behalf of God if you don't have the scriptures to compare it with because the scriptures were being written? Well, the way that they were, they, the, the proof that they were speaking on behalf of God was because of the sign gifts, okay? If you're able to work miracles, what you are doing is you are proving the fact that what I am saying is ordained by God because not everybody can do miracles. So that was how they were able to differentiate between people that just were talking off the top of their head, hey, I speak on behalf of God, and those that were genuinely commissioned by God to be doing this at this time, all right? So how would they know if they were speaking on behalf of God? Well, I speak on behalf of God, boom, I am doing a miracle. This proves God has his hand of approval upon what I am doing, working this miracle. Of course, we know what miracles are. They're, they're supernatural things that cannot be explained by science or nature. You know, I, was, I heard... Um, I was listening to a message on this, and, and he kind of gave the illustration of, you know, for, for like what a miracle would be is if, let's say you built a little toy, let's say this whole stage was a little toy town, and there was like a train running through it, and I built it, and all the little characters were walking around, and, and I decided, you know, that's all they know is that little city, and they're, they're living inside of it, and I decided, you know, I actually want that building over there, so I just pick it up, and I put it over there. Now, all the little people inside the town are like, whoa, what just happened? That's impossible. The building just disappeared and appeared over there, right? So for them, they're like, this is a miracle. But for me, as the one who controls the town, it's no big deal. I was, I'm able to do that because it's my town, right? So, so that's like what a miracle is, is when God breaks the rules of science. He breaks the rules of, of logic and reasoning and does things that are just impossible, like the parting of the Red Sea. It's impossible. Seas do not just part and become dry land for people to walk across. So clearly, the only person that could do something like that is God. So, so when they were writing the New Testament at this time, the proof that they were talking on behalf of God was the sign gifts, the working of miracles, healing, the same type of thing. Now you have the permanent gifts. Now the permanent gifts were given to the church to edify and build up the church. And God will continue to give his permanent gifts to Christians as they accept Christ as their own personal Savior. And God gives you one of the spiritual 
gifts. And these gifts were given to be used in the life of the church. Now, when it comes to the, the temporary gifts, there is disagreement whether they have ceased or not. Okay, there are some people that say the Bible does not specifically say that the sign gifts have ceased, which it doesn't. It doesn't clearly say sign gifts have ceased, you know, don't go with that anymore. So, but this is what we have to do is we have to look at the whole of scripture, understand why sign gifts were given, when they were given throughout scripture, and the purpose for which they were given. Actually, a lot of the sign gifts, the church kind of as a whole, once the canon of scripture was completed, agreed that these gifts had vanished, and really only until the past about 150 years did these start back up and uh, kind of a reigniting of it. And if you look at the history of it, some of the claims when they first were restarted, from my understanding, was they were restarted and the people made the claim that Jesus was coming back again. So the sign gifts were reignited in his people to prove the fact that he was coming back. Obviously, that wasn't the case because that was back in like the early uh, 1900s. Um, so anyways, not until recently. So the church as a whole, for the most part, agreed sign gifts had passed and that permanent gifts were the only ones that remain. Some people disagree with that. But even the people that say that sign gifts have they say there's no proof that the sign gifts have left scripturally. They do agree on the fact that the quote-unquote sign gifts that are being used nowadays are a complete perversion of what they were in the scriptures. Um, there is a pretty, pretty general consensus that the things you see on TV and the crazy stuff they're doing, that's not in any way, shape, or form what the scripture represented when it talked about um, sign gifts. All right, I got to find where I'm at here because I was jumping all over the place. Um, like I said before, this isn't really a super simple topic, all right? I'll be honest with you. Each one of these gifts, I would love if we could do one whole message on each one of these gifts and really get a full understanding of what they are. Unfortunately, that would take us to about next August. So I don't think we're going to dive into that. So like I said, I'm doing my best to get kind of a, a, a synopsis, a summary of what these things are. Um, I would say... From my study and my understanding, I feel like the, the holding to the fact of, of permanent gifts and temporary gifts seems to make the most biblical sense, and it seems to line up with Scripture the best to my understanding. Uh, like I said, when you understand, um, and, and like I said, to really unpack this, you need a series of messages because it, it, you need to jump all throughout the Scriptures, understanding it. But when you understand how the gifts were used, when the gifts were used, and why they were used, it seems to support the fact that they were given to authenticate the message that was being communicated by the man of God at that time. So the Old Testament, it was the prophets. Obviously, Jesus was the greatest worker of miracles. Um, the healer did the ultimate miracle of raising himself from the dead, proving that he was who he said he was, right? No man can raise himself from the dead but God. God would be the only one that could do that. His miracles authenticated the fact that Jesus was who he said he was, the sinless son of God, and that he could do what he came to do, forgive the sins of the world. So here's the thing. We no longer need the authenticating gifts because we have the canon of Scripture. We have the whole of Scripture. All right? We do not believe in continued revelation. That means we believe that the Scripture is finalized, it's sealed, and that's what we have. 
So, so right now, when we want to know if someone is speaking on behalf of God, all we have to do is pull out the Bible and see if what they say lines up with Scripture. Right? They don't have to do miracles. They don't have to raise, you know, heal people or knock people over to prove if what they are saying is true. We don't need that. We got the scriptures. So is what you're saying lining up with what the Bible says? Okay? So that's our final authority. That's our sole authority of faith and practice. So that's where we are today. Um, I do want to make one thing clear, though. I'm in no way, shape, or form saying God cannot work miracles through people. I am not saying God doesn't work miracles, okay? Um, I'm not saying that he can't heal people. God is God. God can do whatever he wants to do. Now, if the scripture said God will not heal people, then I would say, okay, God has bound himself to the fact that he won't heal people. But God doesn't say that, all right? So I believe 100,000% God can heal people. I believe God works miracles. You know, I was, at a, I was listening to a missionary last night. He was a missionary for about uh, 40 years in the Philippines, actually. And um, he was giving a testimony to a, to a class and I was sitting in on that class, and, and he was telling the story. It was unbelievable. His whole thing was about fasting and prayer. This, I have never in my life met or heard of anybody that practiced fasting and prayer like this man. Um, he said there was one time of his life in a year. He had, it was a, a very serious thing that he was going through that year with um, some demonic issues um, in the place where he was ministering, and he fasted 180 days within that year. Not at one time, but throughout that year. He fasted 180 days. I was just like, am I the only one that's like, <laughs> like listening to this guy? Like, what? That's insane. But he talked about often he would fast for, for 10, 17 to 30 days at a time, just often. And he was talking about the miracles that God did through that fasting and the different types of things that God did. He talked about how they were praying through for this village up in the mountain and they spent 30 days. That, that is a significant amount of time to fast and pray. They spent 30 days fasting and prayer over this village. They went up there. Um, they had the, the Bible in their arms and it was just some crazy thing in their demonic, cultish history. There was a writing that somebody would come someday with a black book in their hand with the truth that they needed to hear. It's, it's crazy. So anyways, they had the Bible, they went there, and they were bringing out people, and they were praying for the sick people, and God was healing some of the sick people. He's like, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you what was happening. So can God do that? Um, in the town, he was talking about there was, a, there was like a witch doctor type of person who, who um, you know, would... would do all of his crazy stuff and he hated them right he was trying to drive them out of town because people paid him to take you know and they were just healing people for free and he was like get out you know like ugh, he hated them so he was trying to get rid of them and and he was he was threatening them and there was this one big tree in the middle of town that they would take all of their their pagan sacrifices to and they they fasted and prayed and in the middle of the day that tree goes just falls right over it was amazing, um, the testimonies he was talking about with like fasting and prayer and just crying out to God, and I was so convicted, but God can work miracles, okay? I mean, I think the ultimate way to move God is fast and pray and see God work. It actually really convicted me. If I want to see God work, 
I just need to spend time in fasting and prayer. He said, I'll be honest, we fasted and prayed so much throughout my 40 years, we got a little cocky about it because we just thought we could do anything through the power of God if we just spent time in fasting and prayer. Um, but, so this is what I'm saying. If, if God wants to, to, to speak in tongues, if he wants somebody to speak in tongues, he can do that. I was talking about this with my dad, and, and he told me a story about how they met um, somebody in, uh, in the Philippines, and that person told them a story about how they were in India, and I hope I get all these details right, and they got ready to go preach. They were, they were there. There was like hundreds, if not thousands of people there waiting for them to preach. The interpreter didn't show up. They were like, let's just do it. Got up, preached in English, and the people understood. God can do that, Okay. That God can do that. That's the God we serve, all right? So don't in any way, shape, or form try to think that I'm limiting God. We serve an awesome, incredible God, and God can do these things. What I am saying is that these um, are not just active gifts that people can just use willy-nilly. You know, even in the scriptures, that's not the way they were used, okay? Um, if that's the way they were used in scriptures, then Paul, why didn't he heal himself? He had an infirmity of the eyes. If he could just heal, just, you know, like, kind of like it's said today, just heal, heal, heal anybody and everywhere, why didn't he just heal himself? You know, in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 27, it says, Yet I uh, possessed it necessarily to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in, in labor and fellow soldier, uh, but your messenger, but your messenger, and he that ministereth to my want. So Epaphroditus had been there serving with Paul, had been ministering to them. Verse 26, it says, For he longed after you and was full of heaviness, because that ye heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not unto him only, but also unto me, lest I should have sorrowed upon sorrow. So if Paul could just heal anybody, and they could have just healed anybody, why didn't he heal Epaphroditus? So you understand, it wasn't just given to be freely just thrown out, like heal, 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 um, tongues, 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 you know, miracle, miracle, miracle. Whenever they were used in the scriptures, they were used for a very specific purpose of authenticating the message of the apostle, of Jesus, of the prophets. So, so I think it's just good to have a healthy understanding of what these gifts are. Um, all right, so let's, let's, let's bring it down to the application of all this, okay? So what does all of this mean through this passage? All right, here's the big takeaway from this passage. Paul was making one point in these verses. He clearly, through these verses, he doesn't sit there and explain the purpose and the function of each one of these gifts because that's not the purpose of why he was writing. What was the purpose for what he's writing? Here's the point he was trying to illustrate. He was illustrating the variety of gifts and the different kinds of gifts, and he was also emphasizing the common purpose of the gifts and why the gifts were written, and it says it in verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gifts were used so that God could manifest himself through his church for the good of the church, for the good of people. The gifts are given so that God can work through us to touch and to reach people. All right? That's why the gifts were given. The spiritual gifts you have are so that God can manifest himself in the life of those around us. When you minister to people, you are not the one ministering. 
God is ministering to people through you. All right? I hope we understand that. You're not the one doing it. God is doing this through you. We'll actually unpack this truth a little bit more next week. When you're the one sharing the gospel with someone, you're not sharing the gospel with someone. God is telling and sharing the gospel with that person using you as a means to do that. When you're teaching a kid's class, you are not teaching a kid's class. God is the one teaching those kids and he's using you to do it. When you work in the nursery, <laughs> we had the nursery, a meeting with the nursery workers uh, Monday and so thankful for all those that serve in our nursery. Hey, we talked about it Monday. We're able to be here ministering and listening to the teaching of God's word because of the nursery, right? Imagine bringing all of those little kids in here. You guys, I mean, that, that squirrel in the back would have nothing on all the kids that would be screaming in here as far as paying attention. When you minister in the nursery, you are ministering. God is ministering to those babies through you. When you are serving on the security team, God is protecting our church and he's using you to do it. All right, so, so we have to understand, God gives us these things so that we can minister, so he can minister to people through us. This, once again, I think should bring a great heaviness and weightiness to what we do, to realize God wants to work through me. God wants to use me to touch this world, to reach this world, to love on my brothers and sisters. You know, I, I kind of gave this testimony a few weeks ago might have been like a month ago, but I was talking to Trent on a Sunday afternoon and he shared with me the testimony and I'll say it again for those that weren't there, but they were out passing out tracks and they were just in the plaza and, and a man got a hold of him and he's like, you need to come to my house and, and speak to my mother. And he's like, oh, okay, like just kind of random. This doesn't really happen all that often. And it's Mexico. So it's not like, you know, he's trying to be wise about what's going on here. You just, you just don't go anywhere with somebody that tells you to go. But this guy was very insistent. So he had Stephanie with him. So he's like, all right, I tell you what, I'll come visit you tomorrow and uh, give me your address and all of that. So uh, he went home. He took another man with him to go visit because he didn't feel comfortable about bringing Stephanie. Um, so they went. And in fact, this man had a mother who was in her 90s on her deathbed. And he went in there and he had the opportunity to share the gospel with her. She got saved, praise God. And the next day, he contacted Trent and let him know that his mother had passed away. Trent said, you can, he, he's like, I can't even explain how I felt knowing God. I know we're serving God and we're doing things for God. But for God to so clearly show you, I just used you. This might have seemed like random circumstances. But I had you there at a specific time to do a specific thing. And you were able to give a 90-year-old woman in Mexico one last chance to accept Christ before she died. And he said to, to, to know that God had so specifically used me, he's like, it just gave me chills. And it just was so awesome to think, wow, God just used me to save a soul that was this close to hell. He said, I can't even explain what that felt like. Listen, that's what God wants to do through each and every one of us. As we submit to his will, as we allow him to use our gifts and abilities to minister to this world, God is using us to reach and to touch this world. If you're not involved and you're not allowing God to minister through you, why not? 
Why not? And listen, if you're not allowing God to minister through you, I'm telling you, it's not stopping God, okay? He's going to use someone else. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. But you get to decide whether you're going to allow God to minister through you. Will you allow God to minister through you? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.